Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the wonderful world of wine. Kim and I are here every week talking wine with you. And just to update the listeners a little bit here, Kim, um, how we get our content to discuss with everybody. Together, we both like look at articles and follow things going on in the wine world, and then we kind of share them. And I let Kim pick what she likes of those articles to discuss with you. And I think this time uh, you did a great job, Kim, with some interesting topics. So what's the first one we have? It's uh, old vines. Why old vines are so special? So all right, how are you, so Kim? I am all right. <laughs> I forgot to say hi to you, Kim. That's okay. We, all, we often forget to do that. You know, we're right now we're, we're not side by side like we usually are when we are recording our show. So you are in your space and I'm in my space and I can see you through my screen but it's really not the same <laughs> so you I know it's, it's sort of was seeing you like i'm seeing i you, know you know we're having to adjust we're to adjust to this new situation um so what's wonderful about one of the services that uh, you offer to your um your customers mark is every monday you put up this uh, fantastic list of interesting articles from around not only the wine world but the greater alcoholic beverage world i guess you can say so there's info about bourbon and about beers and new products and what we find most fascinating is you know things from the the wine world so what i was taking a look at was trying to come up with what articles and what things can we talk about that might be really helpful for people right now if you're self-isolating or you're in quarantine and you're not shopping very much but you're still interested in wine and you still want to know more about wine and what you're drinking. So I chose some things that I felt would be helpful for people right now. And a lot of them uh, might help people if they have some wines tucked away in their house or they forgot about a few bottles in the back of their liquor cabinet. And you might be thinking, can I still drink this white wine? Or, you know, what does this mean on the bottle? Or how can I do certain things with my wine if I don't have, you know, specialty things around my house, like special corkscrews or decanter or things like that. So that's kind of what I was uh, focusing on for this week. And it's always interesting to me what you pick of all the stuff I send you. And sometimes I'm thinking, why did Kim pick this? And then I think I start looking at it again. And I say, well, then I'm going to ask her this. So that's how we get the, the topics and uh, to bring in to discuss with you. So our first uh, story is from our good friend, Madeline from Wine Folly. And she wrote an article, Why Old Vine Wines Are So Special. And, and we've talked about this a few times in the past. Kim, we talked about wine labels and some tricks in the wine world that can be on a label. And let's start with what does old vine mean when you see it on a label, Kim? So technically, it, well, I'd say legally, it really doesn't mean anything. Like you can put old vine on a label and there's no one standing over the shoulder of the people at the labeling agency saying, oh, no, 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 you can't put that on the label because your wine doesn't meet XYZ requirements. It, you're meant to infer from old vine that these gra- the grapes from this, uh, for this wine come from vineyards that are at least 25 years old. So that's, that's really the, I would say, the message behind it, but it's not necessarily something that everyone abides by. 
Yeah, and I saw a, a kind of a good representation of vine age for grapes. And it was saying when you plant a vine, it takes between three to four years before you can harvest the first harvest to, to produce wine. And then it says eight-year-old vine would be what they call an adult vine. 12 to 25-year-old vine would be called a mature vine. And then 25 plus, like you said, Kim, is considered old vine. So a lot of the listeners probably see old vine associated with Zinfandel most often. You hear old vine Zin. I think that's the most common thing you see in the wine world. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that people need to recognize and not get confused about is that old vine doesn't necessarily mean old grapes. So these aren't grapes that have been picked and put aside for a while. No, no, no. It means that the plant itself is older, not that the wine that you're holding in your hand is older or that those grapes were older, but that that particular uh, vine that these grapes came from is is where the age is. Yeah, great Because I know I've seen that confusion from people before too. And let's tell the listeners, Kim, what happens to a vine as it ages? So if we have an old vine, what what happens to it? What's the difference between an old vine and a and a young vine. So a lot of good things happen to a grapevine as it ages. You end up with fruit that is more concentrated and frankly, a lot tastier, which is really good if you're trying to make quality wine. On the flip side of that, the amount of grapes that a vine will produce goes down. So the amount of wine that you can get from a particular vine will decrease, but the quality will increase. So I would say that that is the top wonderful thing about an old vine is that you get better quality grapes and therefore better quality wine out of that vine. It concentrates the flavor more in those grapes. And I don't know if that comes from the fact that there are fewer grapes on that vine, but for whatever reason, and I'm sure that there are multiple reasons for this, the um, the concentration and the flavor in those grapes is better. And I like the fact that they, they mentioned as the vine gets older, it requires less care from, from in the vineyard. So yeah, I never, I had never uh, seen that before, but I thought yeah. that, that was, that was good to know. That was an interesting point because in, they were saying the reason is because it's healthier. It's mm-hmm. survived for so long. It's healthier. It needs less care. And also the concentrated grapes that grow on it are easily ripened than other vines. So right. the care is, is less. So I, I thought that was very interesting. And with these older plants, you know, they've had more time to develop their root systems. So they've been able to go and dig deeper into their soil. So they're able to get all of those nutrients and minerals that are a little bit lower and tap into lower water supplies. So they're, they're much healthier vines because they have this uh, more complete root system that allows them to deal with, say, a much drier summer or or maybe a rainy season. So it does seem like the plant system itself is in much better shape to take care of itself because it's, you know, it's been through a lot and it's got this root system that's able to let it withstand all sorts of things that can be thrown its way. Yeah, and it's a good point about the, the roots, Ken, because we have, we saw this in the past and we I think we talked about it in Lodi where the water table level is dropping. So the vine, in order to survive, the roots keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And the healthier and the older the vine, the deeper those roots are actually getting into the earth. So some of these old vines from Lodi, they, they're like hundreds of feet deep mm-hmm. and people don't, don't realize what they're not seeing. So very And, Lod- and Lodi is one of those places where you do find a lot more of these older vines. It's probably the place in California that has the most of them. So oftentimes if you see a California label with an old vine designation on it, it will be from this area, from Lodi. It's good you mentioned that because in the article, they actually said if you want 
to know regions that are known for old vines. Lodi was, was one. Languedoc in France, mm-hmm. uh, Barossa from Australia, and there was another one, Greece, right? Uh, yeah, Santorini in Greece. Santorini, yeah. So, I mean, in, of course, Greece, they brought their vines everywhere and they started there, so uh-huh. it, it makes sense. So, But Lodi was one, I thought, that kind of shocked us that they survived or planted and still there for so long. So Just Zinfandel. There's other things too. There's... Um, I think Grenache is particularly well suited to having these older vines, and that's a lot of what you find in those southern French vineyards. Uh, but we see a little bit of that in California as well. Shiraz, like the ones in Barossa. So it's not just one particular grapevine uh, or grape type, but there are a lot out there that can, if you give them the time and uh, you don't pull them up, you end up with some of these more special special wines. And you'll see other terms on labels. I'll let uh, Kim to say the French version, right? Kim uh, Vin, I, I always say it wrong. V.A. Vin? V.A. Vin. V.A. Vin. That one? Kim, Kim is definitely, yes. You'll, so you'll see that term for French wines with old vine. I just put uh, it in my wine notes as V.V. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot well, easier. <laughs> you know how to pronounce it a lot better. And, and we talked in the past, Kim, be careful about misuse of this because I, I've seen it a lot of wines on the shelves that say old vines and they're $10, they're $12. The chances that there's something that's a true old vine, that they're producing a wine at that cost, because you said they're producing less grapes, more concentrated grapes, they can't sell it for that price. So in that case, to me, it's a marketing trick that they put old vines. So you mm-hmm. have to be careful. Yep, now, so. The other thing I wrote down I wanted to ask you, Kim, was what do you associate the difference when you see ancient vines on a label versus old vines? Just another marketing tool or? Yeah, I think so. They're, old vines is much more common. And I think that is the acceptable uh, industry term for what we're talking about. I think ancient vines is more of like making it sound more romantic and a little more clever. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point to bring up on it. <laughs> and if you do see or if you want to see the difference between an old vine, what it looks like versus uh, a younger vine, just Google that term. And they actually look like tree trunks. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're very huge. cool. They're they look like, um, yeah, they look like gnarled apple trees, you know, where they're all kind of scrunched over and warty. And they're, I think they're pretty cool looking. It's almost like a horror movie. Uh, and you'll see that a lot <laughs> on the labels where they kind of play on the, the uh, image of the vine. So, but good stuff. Good thing to start with, Kim. Get us back on track in the, in the, the talking wine here. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. We are your hosts, Mark and Kim, and we can be found on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. For more information about Mark, you can visit his website at franklinliquors.com. And for more information about myself, you can find me at vinitaswineworks.com. I welcome back to The Wonderful World of Wine. We're Mark and Kim, and we're talking all things wine with you. Our next couple of articles that we wanted to talk about all revolve around aging white wine. And that's not often something that people think about, is it, Mark? No, it's not popular with the general wine consumer, I find, Kim, but it is white wine season starting. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what whites will age. What whites age? So white wines need a couple of things in order for make, making them be, I would say, qualified for, for having aging potential. One is that they start their life with a high, a high acid level or that they are a particular 
particularly sweet wine. And sometimes this is a little difficult for people because honestly, not a lot of people drink sweet white, sweet white wines. So that already, I think, removes a lot of different types of wine from what people would ordinarily have kicking around their house. Because I really don't think a lot of people drink white, drink sweet whites. I do, but not not all that often, I have to say. Even as as someone who appreciates them and likes them, it's not something that I often drink. Yeah, dessert whites not not the very popular with the wine consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned Kim, uh, typically something high acid, a white with high acidity. When when I think of a white that will age, I'm thinking an old world region, cooler climate, because typically cooler climate whites have a, a higher acidity and will age well. And that's you know a good sign of aging is the thing I use. And you had picked uh, two articles. One talked about aged Italian white wines, and the other was just white wines that uh, you can sell her. So let's talk a little about the Italian whites that can age. Other than what everybody's probably most popular Italian white, Pinot Grigio, there are other white Italian wines out there that can age. And Kim, which one would you like to talk about? So there are a lot of great varieties that are indigenous to Italy that we really don't see grown in a lot of other places, but you do see them uh, fairly frequently out of Italy. And one of my favorite is called Vricchio. There are all these white Italian grape varieties that start with V. Like we could do an entire show just on the the V wines from Italy. And this is from uh, central Italy, and it does have really good aging potential. And a lot of these different styles of white wine have sort of some that are meant for early drinking. They're light, they're bright, they're easy easy to consume. And then there's often like a reserve level. And those seem to be the ones that have this really nice aging potential. But there are a lot of uh, great varieties out of Italy that, that do have um, this ability to age. I'm also really fond of the whites from Campania. So something like Greco di Tufo or Fiano, those are other ones that really have some, some good aging capabilities. Wow, now I have so much to ask now from that comment. So first, <laughs> I never knew you were a big Verdicchio fan. I like all of those unusual whites from Italy. I really do. So the thing I, I find interesting about that grape, most known from the Marche region, and it's so close to the coast, they have kind of two regions. The one that's near the coast, you almost get this salinity in the wine that makes it a great food wine for like seafood. And then you have another region, which it's more like mineral style. So which style do you like? Do you like more of a salinity style or more tropical fruit, more mineral style or more with food? Um, I like the tropical minerally ones, not so much the salty ones. Yeah. Um, you know, those more from from the coast, but I like more the, the central ones. Sometimes when they're a little bit riper, they have a little more of that tropical fruit. I do tend to like that in my in my whites. See, now the listeners probably say, no, it doesn't sound very inviting or if it's a hot day. <laughs> that doesn't sound like it's really going to, but no, it's really good food wines. I mean, especially the Verdicchio and you were saying they have reserve, which are aged already when they're released. So, and typically if you see uh, a white wine that is aged, Kim, let's explain what happens to the color of an aged white wine. So when you sometimes it can mean it's bad and sometimes it means just aged. It doesn't mean you can't drink that when it's that color for an aged right. white. So I like to say that all wines as they age like to get to brown. So white wines as they are aging do pick up this real like amber color. But as long as it hasn't gotten too, too brown, yeah, they're totally, totally drinkable. Have we ever talked about 
the fact that wines, you know, rarely get to a point that they hurt you <laughs> if you yeah, drink them when I mean, they're too we, old. We, we've tasted a few that we we were nervous about and explained it. So, but yeah, aged whites, a lot of times they'll say, you know, if you see a white wine, it's this color, don't buy it. It doesn't mean that you have to understand or ask, you know, why is it that color? Is it because of the style of the wine or is it because it's old, right? right. I mean, makes a big and, difference. So, right. And, yeah. <laughs> and just another two other grapes I wanted to, white grapes from Italy I wanted to mention, Kim, was Garganega, I think is a very interesting Italian white. Have you experienced anything with that or tell our listeners a little about it? Yep. So uh, Garganega is usually um, found in a blend from Northern Italy, from the Veneto region. And it it's a little bit richer. I've found that a lot of, it's usually found in a grape called Suave, uh, that a lot of Chardonnay drinkers like this style of wine. Sometimes there's some Chardonnay in the blend as well, but um, got a, a little bit more richness to it, a little more weight. And for people who like a slightly heavier style of white wine, this is a really nice alternative uh, for them if they're trying to get into Italian wines and if Pinot Grigio, say, is a little too light or mild for them. In the 70s and 80s, Suave was king of the Super Italian popular. white wine. Bola Suave in the 1980s. Yeah. No one knew Pinot, Pinot Grigio back then. It was all about the Suave. And the last Italian wine I wanted to just bring up, Kim, was Albana from Romagna. And I think this grape, I mean, I, I always push it as it's the historic grape, white grape of Italy because it was the first white wine to make to be made a DOCG level wine. And this wine ages beautiful. And you can find some real values for Albana. Have you ever had it? Uh, I'm sure you've had it. There's you like one it. bottle that I've gotten from you um, and it's absolutely delicious. Uh, it's not common and that may have been only the first or second one that I had, but I was very, very pleasantly surprised by the quality and just the flavors and it just, I took a, for my first sip and I was like, wow, this is really delicious. So yeah, a pleasant surprise. And it's always really fun to find a new grape variety or a new style that I hadn't had before and, and to, you know, really find something new to love. Yeah. Sometimes there's a little hint of like an almond or kind of a mm -hmm. nutty. Yeah. That's very so. common in Italian Good. whites. Talk now, there was another article we saw about other whites that are worth aging. And they started with our old friend Chardonnay. And they had mentioned Chardonnay specifically from Burgundy will age. Any tips for our listeners, Kim, on why or what white Chardonnays will age? So for, for these, especially for, for the, white, uh, the whites from Burgundy, this falls into that category of high acid whites. And because you have that real high acidity to them, this is one of the things that's causing them to age so well. So especially if you're in the northern part of Burgundy where they don't necessarily put a lot of oak on their white wines um, and they allow them to have you know a nice long ripening season because it's fairly cool in this part of of Burgundy. So they, they try to let the grapes stay on the vines as long as possible to obtain full ripeness. You're still left with a lot of acidity in those grapes, even in a fully ripe year when you pick them. So because they have that nice acid to them, they really have this elegance and this ability to really last and change in the bottle for a good long time. So yeah, five, 10 years for a nice bottle of white Burgundy is not uncommon at all. So I would chalk this up to, you know, good quality grapes um, in good soil and that, that nice acid structure. And I, I would say in, in the Chardonnay category, price level is definitely a sign of knowing if you can age that Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. a, a white burgundy is not inexpensive. Your $8 bottle of Barefoot will not age. But the more yeah, I was just going to say, like, 
your less expensive California big butter bomb uh, Chardonnay is is the opposite style of, right, of, right, of an right. ageable Chardonnay. And that's where price definitely can tell you if it's going to age or not. Mm-hmm. And the the next white grape they mentioned was Simeon, which you had already mentioned, sweet white wines. And the king of sweet white wines uh, is in, from uh, the Sauterne region in France. Another pretty, I wouldn't say it's an inexpensive wine. So, <laughs> not at all. But I love it. You love it. Let's tell our listeners a little about this special wine. Right. So these dessert wines that come from uh, Bordeaux, the most famous of which is Sauterne, are very, very age-worthy, even in, you know, quote unquote, less fine years where the bottles might be a little bit less expensive. uh, They still age very, very well. And in the best years, they can literally last for a hundred years in the bottle, which is like mind blowing that there is white wine that can live that long. But it's possible. They have going for them, they have both of those factors. They have high acid and they have high sugar. And you find dessert wines from other parts of France that do the exact same thing. Not made from Semillon, but made from Chenin Blanc. And I'm really surprised that on this list, uh, they didn't list Chenin Blanc because I feel like that's another white grape variety that has the potential to create white wines that have really nice long lifespan. But getting back to the Semillon. So Semillon makes incredibly wonderful dessert wines, um, not only in Bordeaux, in Sauternes, but in other parts of the world too, um, and especially in Australia. Australia is the, the other place that grows Semillon really, really well. So you can see it in the ageability of their dessert wines, uh, and you can also see it in the ageability of their dry wines as well. So dry Semillon has the potential to maybe not last 100 years, but probably be, still give it a good go at at 10. Yeah. And you mentioned that the, well, we started saying the price of, of the Sauterne. Usually like you can find a 375, a half size bottle in the 20 to $25 range. And I, I just want to tell the listeners a little more, Kim, about the flavor of this wine. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it's like this beautiful honey sweetness, golden color. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible. And people like the classic pairing has always been what with this uh, foie gras? Like, foie gras, something who's... rich. Yeah. Yeah. Rich food. Which I've never, I don't think I've ever paired it with anything. I just love drinking it on its own. I've had Have it you? with frog with foie gras and it is pretty amazing. See, I, I wouldn't <laughs> even attempt I wouldn't even attempt that. Do you like foie gras? I, no. I would never I'd never even tried it. Oh, I, you should. No no. No. Okay. <laughs> no, I'll drink the That's wine. okay. That's okay. Uh, also, this grape you mentioned, Australia, they, they blend it a lot with Chardonnay and, and with Sauvignon Blanc as, as well. I mean, you'll see it on a label. They're pretty proud of the grape, so they'll actually put it, you know, the percentages of Simeon in, in their wines. Next, Kim, I wanted to move on to what I thought was an unusual mention. You said Chenin Blanc wasn't on the list, but they mentioned a Portuguese white grape. Uh-huh. Pinto, right? Yeah. And I don't, you know, have you ever explored this at all as a 100% varietal? I have had a couple, but they haven't been... They're really not a, a, a wine that's really any specific profile to me. It's like a neutral wine to me. Yeah. You find and the that? ones, yeah, the one, and the ones that I've had, they're in the Vino Verde blend. So sometimes you'll see them as single varietals as well. And yeah, it's kind of neutral, but very tart, uh, you know, more that acid structure. And I think we just don't have a lot of experience with this grape variety here to know anything about how it ages. If we had more experience with this grape, so say we are, fr- we were from Portugal and 
you know, we'd been drinking this for a long time and had some experience with it, then I think we would know a little bit more. But personally, I don't think that we really have enough experience with this grape variety to say, yeah, you're native to this one. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it was unusual to see. It really stuck out to me when it was on the list. And the, the last white wine they mentioned, Kim, that they said is worth aging is Riesling. Our old buddy Riesling. Absolutely. And- I think this gets back to my point when we started talking about aged whites that most Riesling is grown in a cooler climate region, be it uh, Germany, Alsace, or Northwestern United States or New York, right? Do you feel that is the main reason why Riesling ages so well? Um, I don't necessarily know the reason. What about price point for Riesling? You think every price point of Riesling can age um, compared to like a Chardonnay? I would say compared to something like, listen, if you took a $10 Riesling and a $10 Chardonnay, I do think that the Riesling is going to age a little bit better. I've opened older bottles of cheap Riesling and been pleasantly surprised with what comes out of the bottle. I can't and believe you use the cheap word. Inexpensive. There you go. Never heard you say cheap. You don't drink cheap. <laughs> well, no, yeah, sometimes. I'm sorry, um, I interrupted you. So no, you've, you've okay. opened inexpensive. And, I've opened and inexpensive Rieslings. Well. Yeah, and they have. You know, they do change, but everything does. But I think because of that brightness to them, uh, whether or not they have uh, sugar, whether have they have any sweetness in there, they've held up okay. What is the oldest white vintage and what was it that you ever had? I have no idea. You can't throw these things out. Me. <laughs> really? I, I I, so know. it couldn't have been anything too memorable if you don't you don't uh, I have recall a, it. I actually have a really bad memory for remembering wines. That's why I write all my notes down because off the top of my head, I really have a hard time remembering what I what I drank or what I tasted. Now, when you went to the Finger Lakes, did mm-hmm. you have any aged whites when you were there? No, we tasted mostly either Barrels. current vintage or most recent. Not really any barrel samples, but things that either had just been released or were in you know were about to about to be released to the public. Uh, we had a few things that were old. But they were more for comparison. So say we were comparing, you know, 2015 to 2017 or 2016 to 2018. So not old, old, but definitely things with a couple of years on them. And they do, you know, they do change. Those really minerally ones will sometimes they'll soften or, you know, fruit will change. It's just, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and also vintage variety, especially in the Finger Lakes is, is very apparent. You know, it's one of those places right on the edge where the weather from one year to another really impacts the style of the wine. Yeah, just I, just I brought that up of what because just recently I opened a 2010 vintage of a white Bordeaux mm. and I thought it was phenomenal. It was, you know, those little honey notes, like just totally different profile. Of course, when I was giving it to people, uh, they all thought it was bad. And that's, <laughs> I think, the common thing for, for people who want to experiment with whites that have aging on it. It is a totally different profile most of the time. So it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that's what happens when a white wine ages and you should experiment and see. And, and we talked about this in the past and we've opened up aged wines and we try to open aged red wines and taste things. And, and you know, a lot of people love them because they never had them. And white wines that are aged are probably rarer to be found uh, in retailer restaurants than red. Right. So They're harder sell. You know, I think that the flavor profile, like you were just mentioning, Mark, about red wines is a little bit more appealing to people than the flavor profile of an aged white. Like you said before, when you see that brown color, sometimes you can be like, ooh, there's something wrong with this wine. Whereas for a red wine, if it gets that those brick notes, people don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with it. And I think for drinking, people have a little bit more experience with those those aged whites. Um, I'm curious about the white Bordeaux that you opened. Was it, do you know what the grapes 
what the great balance in there was? Was it mostly Sauvignon or mostly Semillon? Yeah, I think it was 85% Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. It was, it was mostly Sauvignon Blanc, but it, but was, it was good. It huh? was nice. It was good, it was good, good to you. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. it, it, it we, you're talking, this time of year, we started saying it's white wine season, but no one's really coming looking for an aged white to have by the pool or have mm-hmm. on the deck. You know? no. So it, it gets a bad rap. And a lot of times if I have wines that I feel like I shouldn't sell, I call you, Kim, and you take them and you use them to make vinegar, correct? Only if they're really, really past their prime. Yeah. Well, you, so there are, I mean, if you do open, I guess the point I was trying to make is if you do open a white and you don't like it or you think it's past or it's it's prime, you can save it and use it for for cooking or for making other things with it, correct? Yes, you can. As you do. As I do. But I'm a little bit outlier. (laughs) I do some some weird, funky food stuff at home. Yeah. I noticed that lately, especially when you've been in isolation. You've been... You've been experimenting a little <laughs> Doing bit. Doing a lot of stuff, yes. Yeah. Just but, don't bring um, you any of that goose liver. I, I, I won't bring want, you any foie gras. Don't, don't worry. I don't want that. Yeah. But I wanted to come back to you know this topic because I feel like if you are at home and you're not necessarily going out all the time looking to do your shopping, that you might be rooting around in maybe your liquor cabinet or wherever you keep wine if you are fortunate enough to have some wine storage at your house and maybe you pulled out a bottle of something white that's 10 years old and you don't necessarily know if it's going to be good or bad. Hopefully this gives you a little bit more information about what you might have on hand and how, how it might taste and how it might look. Yeah, that was the reason I drank that Bordeaux. I, I would have saved it, but I was getting low and yeah. I had to go into the stash and that's what I found. My, I, my I've got a couple Bordeaux. of things in my stash too that are older yeah. reds that I think now it's time to break them out and yeah, drink them. Get ready to break them out. Yeah. Well, well, I hope people explore with the with the aged whites a little bit now that we give them some background information. That's right. So now's the time to drink all that wine that maybe is stashed away in your house. Time to drink them up. Thank you for listening to the wonderful world of wine today. We've been your hosts, Mark Lenzi and Kim Simone. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine and find past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Cheers. Cheers.